This sermon is from Edgewood Baptist Church. You can find more information about us online at ebc-edmonds.org. Thanks for listening. We've been making our way through the Gospel of John. If you have your Bibles today, you can turn them to John 13. We'll be looking at verse 1 through 20. The verses will also be on the screen overhead. And you can also find them on your YouVersion Bible app. And if you'd like more information about how you can get that app, we'd be glad to talk to you about that at the information table. Some of you get the newsletter, and recently I wrote an article on love. I've been thinking a lot about love. You know, we, we, we talk about love, but to truly love, we need God's help, don't we? Isn't that true? And I, and I don't know about you, but, but I think you're a lot like me. We, we probably have more in common than, than different. And we, and we struggle to be the loving servants of Jesus that we want to be. If, you, if you're here and you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you don't know Jesus yet as your Lord and Savior, we would love to, to talk to you more about having a relationship with Jesus, letting him forgive your sins and be the boss of your life and the treasure of your life and the Savior of your life. Amen? But if you know Jesus is your Lord and Savior, and you're seeking to love as he would want us to love, you understand the temptation to be unloving at times. True? I I don't know about you, but I'm tempted to see authority. I'm tempted to see authority as a means to get people to serve me, not as a means to be of service to others. Right? that, That temptation's in parenting. Don't get me wrong, we're we're supposed to be parents. We have been given some authority as parents. But that authority is supposed to be used to serve our children. True? When it's in leadership positions, oftentimes we're tempted to use our position to force other people to serve us instead of being a service to them. I don't know about you, but for myself, I'm tempted to see suffering as an excuse to stop loving. We don't put it that way, right? I mean, you say that, no, 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 that's not me. But think about how often you'll have a, a bad day, or, or you know really hard things are happening tomorrow, and somebody will ask you to do something at home, and you go, ah, do you know what kind of day I've had today? And I've got more of it coming tomorrow. So don't disturb me, I'm just going to hear and watch television. Now, I'll say this gently, sin is stupid, okay? Because if we actually stop and think about it, sitting there and watching television is probably not going to solve your problems, right? And suffering is not, in, is not alleviated by sinning. It's made worse. We, we've got a culture that thinks, well, I, I really went through a lot of suffering, so nobody can speak into my life about things I should do differently. And that soaks into us, and we start to think, well, if I'm going through a really hard time, then, then people should be serving me. I don't need to be serving them. But we're, we're going to see in, in today's passage of Scripture that Jesus comes to know that, that actually doesn't come to know, Let me correct myself. He knows, right, 
who he is. And he knows that he's going to suffer and die. And yet he serves, as we'll see. I, I, I'm also tempted to see the sins of others as an, as an excuse to stop serving. Right? Okay? Well, if that's the way you're going to be, fine. But Jesus knows in today's passage of Scripture, he knows that Peter will deny him. He knows that the disciples will scatter. He knows that Judas will betray him. And yet, he washes their feet. I don't know about you, but, but I'm, I'm tempted to serve with arrogance or a condescending spirit. But Jesus is calling us to humbly serve, acknowledging that without, without Him, without Him we couldn't live out the purposes God's given us for our lives. Our money, power, intelligence, positions of influence were not meant to puff us up, but to be used to love others. We also see in today's passage of Scripture that we need Jesus. We need to admit that we need Jesus if we're going to love as he's called us to love. So let's read the passage of Scripture together. Verse 13, Now before the feast of the Passover, so, so the Passover, we see in the Old Testament, was a time that they remembered when a Passover lamb had been sacrificed and the blood was taken and put on the doorpost so that the angel of death would not destroy the people. So the Israelites did that for their protection. And, and Jesus is the ultimate Passover lamb. Through the blood of Christ, we have forgiveness, new life, and protection from the righteous anger of God that comes against sin. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And let's just stop for comment here. Isn't that the kind of love we want to experience, a love without end? Isn't that the kind of love we want to have? Verse 2. During supper... When the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he came from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. There it is. He knows the power he has and he uses it to serve. Continue to read. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, 
You shall never wash my feet. You're not going to do it. Let's make a comment here. If you're not willing to receive, you won't be able to give. We're not prepared to love others until we receive the love of Christ. We get dirt on our feet, proverbially, as we go through life. Right? We, we, if you know Jesus, you have been saved, you're being saved, and you will be saved. Let, let's continue to read. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you, for he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. So Peter says, don't wash my feet. Jesus said, if I don't wash your feet, you don't have any part with me. He says, well, then wash everything. He says, you don't need everything washed. I think there's a, there, there's a, there's a spiritual point made, to be made here. If, if you've come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you've been bathed and cleansed, you are saved, you're being saved, and you will be saved. You don't need to get re-saved. But if you've been saved, you still need daily cleanings. Right? You've not arrived. I think it hurts the church of Jesus Christ a lot when Christians act as if they've already arrived. Like, I don't need anything anymore. I've arrived and I'm just going to help you. We need Jesus. And I believe Jesus pours into our lives directly, but he also does it through others, does he not? So the person says, I'm not going to receive anybody, anything from anybody. I'm just going to do it my own way. Is going to be a terrible servant of Jesus Christ. It may take generosity to give, but it takes humility to receive. What a blessing it is to be helped by somebody who's humble. Not the same feeling you get when somebody as you do when somebody arrogant and proud comes to help you. True? Am I right? right? Have you ever been helped in ways that you, you wish they wouldn't have helped you? I'm going to pay for that the rest of my life. Next time, just let me do it myself. Are you with me? So let's not serve people like that. Let's realize that everything we give, we're able to give because of what Christ has given us. We talk about that a lot in, in being a multicultural church. If we form some form of ethnocentrism where we think that our culture is the best and we always help out these other cultures but we are, we're never helped, we're not really multicultural. Does that make sense? It's a shame if America, Americans leave our country to go to another nation as if they were just teachers and not also students. We need the cleansing of Jesus daily.
of our feet. But we are already set right by the blood of Christ. Amen? Continuing to read. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. Jesus isn't saying that, that he's, he has no authority. He says he is the teacher. He is Lord. He is boss. He is the king of kings. Right? Verse 14. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I've done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Happy, joyful are you if you do them. If you, if you do them. If you what? Do them. Here's a problem we have. We get really good at knowing stuff without applying stuff. Right? And in James in the Bible, it says that if, that if we're hearers of the word and not doers, we'll deceive ourselves. The blessing doesn't come from merely knowing. It comes from doing. Applying, yes. Verse 18. He says, I'm not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I'm telling you this now, before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. Now, as you read that passage, you can see that the things that tempt me not to serve didn't keep Jesus from serving, right? He had the ultimate power, and he served. He knew the disciples would scatter. He knew that Peter would deny. He knew that Judas would betray, and yet he served. He knew he was going to suffer, and yet he served. I'd like to bring out some application points from this passage of Scripture. So if you have your outline, we'll begin with point one. Jesus was not corrupted by his power. Jesus was not corrupted by his power. This is important because we've been taught to believe in our culture, and I would say in most cultures, they teach that power corrupts. In fact, sometimes people say power corrupts an ultimate power. Absolute power absolutely corrupts. But if that was true, then God would be the most corrupt of all beings. The Almighty God, when you said Almighty God, you might as well say the most corrupted one. It's not true because it's not true that power corrupts. Jesus was not corrupted by the power he had. Power doesn't corrupt, it reveals corruption. True? It reveals corruption. It may, 
may magnify corruption, often magnifies corruption, and intensifies corruption. It may even cause corruption to grow, but it is not the cause of corruption. Power corrupts corrupted human beings. True? See, we bought this lie that people are basically good and they were just corrupted. But the Scripture teaches we're born with a sinful nature. You know, we talk about the innocence of children, but I want you to imagine a two-year-old that was ten times stronger than you. Really imagine it. What would it be like? Right? We're created in the image of God. I love my children. They're valued. Every human life is valued. But they're totally depraved sinners just like the rest of us who need a Savior. Amen? You doubt this? Get one toy, two kids. You'll see it. <laughs> and let me, let me say something else here. In philosophy, sometimes we talk about levels of causation. So you can say, what caused me to get angry is that this or that happened. The example they use in biblical counseling a lot is, is if, if, if I'm up here and you bump into me and I spill grape juice or wine on the carpet, right? Why is there wine on the carpet? Because there was wine in the cup. Do you get that? When you're bumped into, what you're filled with spills out. Paul Tripp likes to say, if you squeeze an orange, you get, you get orange juice. If you squeeze a sinner, you get more sinning, right? Do we get it? Now, it may be true. If I wasn't squeezed, that went to come out. If you didn't bump me, that went, that, that, that's all fine and dandy. But the problem is what, what, what you were carrying in you, right? Make sense? We were staying at a home one time, house-sitting. House they had white carpet. Ended up spending most of the night trying to get chocolate milk out of it. You say, what, how was there chocolate, chocolate milk on the carpet? Well, I could tell you how it got knocked over. But I could also tell you the guy who carried it in there in the first place. Right? That makes sense? And what we want is to be so, so in love with Jesus, so filled with his love, that when we get bumped into life by life, when we get squeezed by life, the love of Jesus comes out. And that is impossible for us to do but by the grace of God. Matthew 20, 25 through 28 says this, but Jesus called them to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. In other words, when Jesus came, he didn't use his power to get people to serve him. He came to give his life as a ransom for many. Amen?
Point two, in Christ we can be empowered without being corrupted. In Acts 1.8, it talks about the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will receive power, right? So in Christ we have power, but not a power that corrupts, but a power that in, inspires love. Three, third point, which we've already seen, Jesus came to serve. Even serve his enemies. Isn't that amazing? Jesus said, Matthew 5, 43-47 says it this way, You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and the good and sends his rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, I think the Greek word here is used to mean both brothers and sisters. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Okay, again, again, I know that verse you may say, but we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives to live that out, don't we? Right? The scripture doesn't say, start loving them, start serving them once they get in line with your political views. All right? It doesn't say, start loving them, start serving them when they get in line with your theological views. Now, now don't, don't make a mistake here, because love, as the Bible defines it, isn't just making people think great thoughts about you and think great thoughts about themselves, right? It's not loving to give somebody drunk keys to their car, right? Some of you, like me, have had an experience of being in a place where you said, I'm taking your keys. And the result wasn't, give me a hug, I love you. The person swore at me. Was it therefore unloving that I took the keys? No. Right? So when I say love, I don't, I don't mean just be a, a soft touch. In fact, sometimes we have to love people. In fact, I would say all the time we have to love people more than we love what they think of us, right? But we ought to love. We ought to be motivated. We want what's good for them. We want them to come to, to repentance, a time of turnaround in their life. We, we, we know that we're called here to serve them. Amen? This really, really struck home to me when I was watching the news the other day. Because it wasn't really encouraging me to love my enemies. How about you? Anybody else tempted not to be as loving as you should by the current political season? Hmm? Right? And that's why point four is, is, is so important. 
we need to receive from Jesus before we can serve. We need to receive from Jesus before we can serve for him. Right? Jesus was the perfect one, right? If you look in John 12, if you look back, I encourage you to read the Gospel of John, you'll see in John 12, Jesus has his feet anointed. They didn't need washed. He was perfect. All the rest of us need help. It's not like we needed it, we got saved, now we got it all together. We needed it, we need it, and we'll always need the grace of God. Amen? And five, we should humbly serve others with the love Christ has shown us. There's so many temptations not to be loving. So many excuses we give for for not showing the love of Jesus. You know, it's kind of funny. We, We like to tell... God what he ought to do, right? Here's what you ought to do. You know that guy who just moved next door, that neighbor who's really annoying and has that dog that barks all night long? Move him, Lord. <laughs> you know that coworker who, who just everything I hate politically, she endorses and isn't quiet about that? You know that person, Lord? Get her a different job. You know that family member that comes to the family reunion? I'm not saying kill him, Lord, but a little lightning bolt just to, just to move him to my opinion. Oswald Chambers would talk about how we like to tell God who to put around us to sanctify us. Sanctify is that word to... to to make us holy, to finish saving us, right? And if you're not involved in a, in a local church, as one writer said, you're not enrolled in the, in the love classroom, right? We, we need each other. And we need chances to, to, to love one another. And perhaps those people, those circumstances that you you want God just to do that and remove, they're there to teach you to love as Christ would want you to love. So you can feel the kind of joy that he would want you to have. You know, sometimes I have that arrogance to think, I can navigate the relationships of my life. I got it. I'm a nice guy, everybody's a nice guy, I can navigate it. And then pretty soon I take a good look in the mirror and I go, you know, I don't like what I said when I was in that mood. And then I say, Lord, I'm going to need a little help with this person. And then I realize, you know what, to love people the way I was really meant to love them, Lord Jesus, I'm going to need your help with every relationship I have, every single one of them. Will you help me? And I believe that is... What happens when we're filled with the Holy Spirit? I'm going to close our time with a story from um, a little book, Profiles in Faith. Story of Doug Nichols. It's, some of you may even know 
He, for a long time, was the head of Action International Ministries. He's went on to some other ministries. But he tells a story about being uh, in another country and getting tuberculosis. Uh, that's, that's not an easy road, right? And they hospitalized him and quarantined him. And as he was there, he was trying to hand out tracks. Say, maybe this is, this is the chance for me to share Jesus with folks. Nobody would take a single track. He'd wake up at night to his own coughing or to the coughing of others. And he saw this old man. And he was coughing and coughing. And then he tried to get out of bed early, early hours in the mor- morning. And he fell back down in his bed. Some time passed, and the old man tried to get out of bed again in a coughing fit, and he fell down in his bed again. When the morning light came, fully, and it was full morning, everyone noticed the stench and understood the old man was trying to make his way to the bathroom. The nurses were agitated by this. One of the nurses even slapped him. And the old man curled up and wept. The next morning, about 2 a.m., Doug noticed the old man trying to get out of bed again. He was in a hospital, I didn't mention this, but he was in a hospital that that they all spoke a language he didn't know. And so he walked over to the old man's bed. His arms around his neck, arms under his leg, carried him to the restroom, waited for him to go to the restroom, then carried him back to his bed. The old man, speaking a language he couldn't understand, but seemed so very, very thankful and was kissing him and thanks. Then Doug, exhausted, fell back into his own bed. When he woke up in the morning, when he woke up in the morning, they had brought tea. Not only the individual, one of the other patients, bring him tea, they also asked for one of those tracts he'd been hanging out, handing out about the gospel. By the end of the day, nurses, other patients, doctors had all asked for those tracks about that gospel, about Jesus. That's the point of the story. God sometimes places us in really hard places around really difficult people, people that we don't have the ability to love, so that we'll cry out for his love. And when we show his love, it draws people to himself. Amen? Where can we find the love to love as Jesus wants us to love? Only in him. Only in him. So if you look at your connection card, there's some next steps there. Maybe it's give my life to Jesus. You see, you cannot love as Jesus would have you love until you ask him to be your Lord, your Savior, the boss of your life, that you surrender to him for the forgiveness of your sins. Maybe this week what you need to do is do an act of service. 
just, just joyfully, lovingly, do an act of service. May I encourage you to do it for someone who's irritating you? You're not trying to excuse their sin, you're just loving them, right? Let's not expect people to act like Christians before they know Christ. Third, maybe you've checked the box, change my attitude. And that's really a prayer. Change my attitude, Lord, because it kind of stinks sometimes. And the last box says, I believe God is leading me too, and I don't know what that is. But as the Lord leads you, if you'd write that in, and we'd, we'd, we'd love to know about those things so we can pray for you.